and basically he wanted me out and he wasn't going to pay me back. Uh, he wasn't going to pay me back the money and he was going to keep the liquor license. And, you know, at that point, I had never been spoken to like that in my life. I had trusted him. Uh, my business partner, Corey, my best friend at the time, you know, we had trusted him. We had put all of our hopes and our dreams into this restaurant business, but we did it in a way that we had no control. We did it with the best of intentions, but those intentions Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. Today's episode is sponsored by the Women Building Wealth Membership Group, the complete, proven, step-by-step -step course to guide women from novice to confident investor. To learn more, go to womenbuildingwealth.net. Now, my name is Andrew Stotts from ASTOTS Investment Research, and I'm here with featured guest, Sean Walshev. Sean, are you ready to rock? Absolutely. Couldn't be more fired up. You look like it. And for the listeners out there, if you were to see the video right now, you'd see why I asked him, are you in a helicopter? He's got a pretty cool headset on. <laughs> Not in a helicopter, but ready to rock for sure. There you go. <laughs> so let me tell the audience a bit about you. Sean Walshef is a restaurant owner, digital entrepreneur, and a proud father. Since 2008, Sean has owned Cali Comfort Barbecue in San Diego County. To survive, Sean knew early on to operate his family restaurant and sports bar like a tech company. Now that's innovative. Now, whether it's his annual hashtag bet on barbecue turf and surf tasting event in August or his expanding catering empire in San Diego, Sean's many business ventures all incorporate technology, especially the kind you use every day on your cell phone. That's how he discovered podcasting. Since Sean first started a business and barbecue-themed podcast almost three years ago, he's watched podcasting grow with many shows popping up that he's helped inspire. Sean has played a big part in getting so many fellow barbecue business owners into podcasting. Listen today to his Behind the Smoke Barbecue War Stories podcast, where he guides viewers and listeners through the ever-evolving world of digital marketing, which is a damn hard world to figure out for some people, I tell you. And this helps his fellow restaurant and business owners adapt and succeed. Sean and his guests will get personal and truthful about what it takes to truly thrive in business, sharing advice on social media blogs and digital tips and tricks. As if that wasn't enough, ladies and gentlemen, he's soon launching the digital hospitality podcast in the fall. Find episodes, educational blogs, and behind-the-scenes content at kalibarbecue.media. Sean, take a minute and fill any further tidbits about your life. I am grateful to be on the podcast. Anytime there's a fellow podcaster on any side of the world, digital marketing is something that needs to be top of mind. And I know anyone that's listening to this podcast, there's somebody that wants to improve. Uh, they want to improve their business and they want to improve their mind. And for me, you know, being a, a new father, um, I have a, a two-year-old son at home and we just welcomed in our new daughter. She's two months old. And my wife and I are actually waiting to sign loan docs on a new home, which is another big investment we are making. You know, for us, we're just very excited, humbled, honored that after 11 years, uh, we still have a restaurant that 
serves the community, but also does things that are outside of the box and doing things like hosting a podcast, having a digital media company, acting like a tech company. Those are things that are going to help us survive. And for us, giving back to other restaurant owners in the way that people taught us how to do barbecue, people taught us how to stay in business. We read every magazine possible about entrepreneurship and about how to run a restaurant. And for us, any way that we can give back, which with this new podcast, Digital Hospitality, we're excited to do. Awesome. And ladies and gentlemen, if you go to his website, KylieComfortBBQ.com, oh my God, the, the barbecue looks fantastic. And, and I was listening to the podcast and I just, I wrote up some, uh, some little things that I got from it, which I'm going to show you. The audience can't see it, but Sean, take a look. It's wood. <laughs> it's fire. Yes, it is. It's fire. <laughs> it's meat. Ladies yes. and gentlemen, it's wood, it's fire, it's meat. Who wouldn't love that? Well, now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it. And then tell us your story. So I've never met my father. I was very fortunate that that was never something that was a problem in my life. Uh, my grandfather, who was an immigrant from Bulgaria, he raised me, um, as well as my grandmother and my mother, and from a very early age, he taught me that hard work is something, hard work and education will get you ahead in life. And for me, I was very, very blessed that he paid for my education to go to school in Colorado, as well as go to study abroad in Spain. When I was over in Spain, studying with one of my best friends from college, Corey Robinson, uh, we were studying on the beautiful Mediterranean coast in Alicante. Uh, where there's this incredible Moorish castle and basically living a privileged life. And he would call me and I would call him to check in. At that time, he was 80 years old and I was really his closest son. Even though I was his grandson, he chose me to be the trustee of his estate over my mother, over both of, both of my uncles. And for him, it was very important to keep me close in the family business. He was a medical doctor, but after... He retired as a medical doctor. He started investing in, in, uh, in real estate. So he, he needed help with his real estate, and he would call me on the phone. Actually, I would go to the phone and call him. I would be right outside the Plaza de Toros and on the phone calling him, asking him, hey, Grandpa, you know, how are things going? Because, you know, Sean, I, just, I don't have anyone here that I can trust that, that can help me. You know, I really wish you would, you would come back, come back to San Diego. And at that time, I was obviously living in, in Spain, but... I knew that I couldn't continue school in Colorado, that it would be better if I transferred to the University of San Diego. So I, I did that. And that was one of the best things I ever did because it allowed me to spend time with my grandfather as he was aging to help him write his memoir, but also just to be there and learn from him and um, really help him. And in turn, he was really helping me learn about life and learn about business. Because he was a medical doctor and because it was one of my passions, I thought that I was going to be a an attorney. So I, I took, uh, took the LSAT, studied very hard and applied to law school. I got rejected by all three law schools in San Diego. That was something that was very devastating for me. And at that point, my best friend who I, I was with in, in, uh, in Spain, he moved to San Diego and I told him, you know, you can help me manage my grandfather's real estate. And that was something that we did around 2006. We started, you know, helping with a single family residential real estate and, Around that time, 
there was a property in East County, San Diego that my grandfather had purchased. Um, there was an existing restaurant there and he had a liquor license that was not being used. It was a type 47 liquor license, which is valued anywhere between 50 to $75,000 at the time. And it allows you to sell beer, wine, spirits uh, at an existing restaurant space. And it's something that's very valuable um, here in the San Diego market. And I'm guessing if you want to open up a bar or a restaurant anywhere, the profit is in the liquor. Definitely something that was enticing for Corey uh, my, and my business partner and I. And we thought, well, why don't we make an investment and purchase the liquor license from my grandfather? So at the time, it was valued at $75,000. We purchased for $50,000. We also raised another $50,000 so that we could get into a restaurant that was actually currently being operated by another operator, a man by the name of Howard. He had been operating a breakfast restaurant. We had become friends. He said that he was looking to expand his business. And we said we would add this liquor license and help include a dinner service and turn it into a sports bar. Um, and he would obviously run the restaurant. He would have majority interest. He would have 51% ownership stake in the company and we would have 49%. So we set off and created a company and we were young, naive. We didn't know Howard as well as we thought we should have. And as we started working and making capital improvements to the business and adding flat screen TVs, adding products so that we could create a dinner menu, um, adding staff, um, there were a lot of things that Howard was not comfortable with. And it just got to a situation where one day, and that was the day that I knew, um, I had come in and I believe we were you know, finishing installing some TVs. He found me on the floor of the restaurant in front of probably four regulars that were drinking coffee at the bar and then probably three other staff members and my business partner. And he basically told me, that I've never worked a day in my life, that my grandfather's given me everything. I was fed by a silver spoon. I don't know what I'm doing. He regrets the entire decision to bring on a liquor license, to turn it into a sports bar. Um, this is the worst thing that he's ever done. And basically, he wanted me out and he wasn't going to pay me back. Uh, he wasn't going to pay me back the money and he was going to keep the liquor license. And, you know, at that point, I had never been spoken to like that in my life. I had trusted him. Uh, my business partner, Corey, my best friend at the time, you know, we had trusted him. We had put all of our hopes and our dreams into this restaurant business, but we did it in a way that we had no control. We did it with the best of intentions, but those intentions ultimately were at the control of somebody else. And, you know, that was the investment that it was my worst investment of my life. Um, there were things that he said to me that actually he left on a voicemail um, on my phone that I saved and I kept that voicemail and I played it. I added it to my uh, iPod at the time. So my workout mixtape would be this man screaming at me, telling me that I'll, I've never worked a day in my life and that I'm worth nothing and I'll never make anything of myself. And for me, it was just motivation. It was motivation in the same way that I have all three law schools that rejected me, the rejection letters above my desk. And that's not because I hold vengeance in my heart. It's that it's just a piece of motivation. It's kind of the way my grandfather taught me 
for him to leave a small village in Bulgaria and to travel all the way to La Jolla, California, and to create, become a medical doctor, people told him no throughout his whole life. And people told him he was worthless and he couldn't do things. And he was a farm boy and he shouldn't be trying to do the things that he was trying to do. And no matter what, he always learned. He kept learning. He kept reading. He kept asking questions. And for him, he knew in his heart he wanted to do something. He was able to do it. And, you know, fortunately, um, I filed a lawsuit against Howard to get the recover only to recover the money that we had invested that he owed us, as well as the liquor license. And I was able to get those back. And ultimately, you know, after a year or so, he didn't succeed in the location. And uh, my business partner and I were able to take over that location. And that became Cali Comfort Barbecue. And that was the start of what we have now. Like I said, wow. if, if we hadn't made that worst investment, we wouldn't have been able to put ourselves into the position we're in now. So do I regret that investment? No, I don't. But was it the worst investment? Absolutely, it was. That recording, that voicemail um, that I talked about actually became the intro to our podcast. So we did 100 episodes of Behind the Smoke, and probably the first 30 episodes is the voicemail of Howard yelling at me, telling me that I'll never be anything. And that was just a way to set the tone for the podcast, because if you're going to be into business, if you're going to invest in things, you have to understand that there's the human element and there's a human element that you can't control. All you can do is do your best and you need to put yourself in a position where you can control the narrative. Ladies and gentlemen, if you go to Cali Comfort Barbecue in San Diego, you now understand it's hallowed ground. It's a true origin <laughs> story, which is fantastic. Can you try to summarize what are the lessons that you learned from this experience? And keeping in mind that there's somebody listening to this podcast who's about to jump into a really exciting idea of a restaurant or, you know, with a person that they may not know that well, but the excitement as, uh, as is oftentimes said by Michael Gerber in his, in his books about the entrepreneurial seizure, where we just get so excited. What lessons did you learn from this experience? I mean, number one lesson I learned was that if it's something that you truly want to do and you want it to be an active investment where it's you're the entrepreneur, you're the one running the business, don't put yourself in a position of not having a majority and not having control. Um, I understand a lot of times you have to raise capital and do things so that you could get any business open. But when you don't have control, you don't have creative flexibility. And especially in 2019, um, what we've had to do for our restaurant in the last 11 years I mean, we've changed from a breakfast restaurant to a sports bar to a barbecue restaurant. I mean, we have no business in San Diego with all the great, incredible barbecue states and capitals in the United States and Texas and Kansas City and Memphis. For us to be doing barbecue as loud as we're doing on the Internet and slow smoking meats the way that they're supposed to be cooked, but celebrating not just us, because it's not about us being the best. It's about celebrating the craft of all of barbecue. And that's the media side that's really, that's really been exciting for us because it's allowed us to talk to other pitmasters, other restaurant owners, other people that own restaurant groups that have 3,000 employees that have 30 different concepts. Those are the things that are really exciting because if you don't change and you're not willing to change, it's going to be very difficult to operate any business, but at restaurants especially and bars. And, and if you don't have the majority control, 
you just won't have the ability to pivot like that, particularly because the other person that, that is holding a majority may disagree or may not see the vision. So fantastic. So have majority control. Is there anything else that you would say you learned from that experience? I would say, I mean, if, if anyone's looking at investing in a restaurant, we all know how risky restaurant investments are. But the fact of the matter is food is important to a way of life. Every village needs the local pub. Every village needs the local eatery. And it doesn't matter where you are in the world. There's a place that you love, that your family loves, that when it's your birthday, your grandmother's birthday, that's where she wants to go. You have a special table. Somebody makes you feel a way that's memorable. That's what hospitality is. And for us, if you're going to invest in a restaurant, invest in the jockey. Don't invest in the horse. The jockey is the person that's really the visionary behind it, the person that's going to, no matter what, when they get knocked down 20 times, they're going to get up 25 times. And they're going to, no matter everything they do, is always going to be, how do I improve this business? How do I make this business work? How do I shift? How do I do something? How do I do online delivery now that that's important? How do I keep my staff engaged so that they take care of the village and that people are excited and they want to come back? Beautiful. So I like that. It's really the experience, not just the food. Beautiful. And also the idea of investing in the jockey is great, great advice. Let me summarize some of the things that I take away from it. Now, I've interviewed a lot of people about loss and their worst investment ever. And I've found that there's six common mistakes. I think in this case, I would say there's two that probably came up. Number one, this is mistake number two, most common is failed to properly assess and manage risk. So when we get excited about, you know, the returns and the opportunity, we oftentimes don't look at the risk. And I think that that's one thing uh, that you probably now, particularly listening to the lessons that you learned, you understand the risks a lot better. The second thing is a mistake number four, or the fourth most common mistake, which is misplaced trust. And whenever we're going to go into business, we're going to have to do it with other people. And we're going to have, we ideally want to find people that we trust. But the most important thing I've learned about trust is there is no shortcut to building trust. You know, there could be a shortcut to, I don't know, let's say steroids could be a shortcut to building muscle, you know, but ultimately trust takes time. And it's a, it's a bit of a paradox because when you're looking at a business idea, you want to jump in, let's do it now, let's go. And you can't, and you also can't wait too long, but never forget that ultimately you're trusting the people around you to, you know, work with you to get where you're going. So that, those would be the two. And I, I think the lessons from my side, but I also, I love the, the idea that um, using failure and rejection as your motivation. Yeah, it's nice to think about your successes and the success that you want to have and feel good about that. But damn it, when someone tells me I'm never going to be able to do that, Oh man, you just fire me up. And I suspect for many of the listeners out there. And then the final thing that I would just say that I took away from it is the idea of iteration. You know, we're constantly iterating our business to try to discover what really works and what works for us, but most importantly, what works for our customers. And if you don't iterate, you die eventually. So those are my takeaways. Any thoughts on those? No, I think that's, and that's a great way to summarize 
And, you know, the thing I appreciate about podcasting is it allows you to have conversations like this. I mean, for me to go back and reflect, um, I was reviewing litigation documents. I was looking at stuff that I haven't looked at, you know, since 2007. And for me, that reflection only makes my decisions now moving forward that much more confident. And that's really what business is. You know, after 11 years, actually including the Howard experience would be 13 years of you know, trying to figure out this restaurant business. And I don't have it figured out. <laughs> I would be naive to think that now I do. But the reflection is so important. And what you said about iteration and being able to adapt and to change, thats those are the things that get me excited. And that's why I'm really, you know, couldn't be more thrilled to help other restaurant and bar owners really utilize the tools that we all have now as, with digital marketing to grow our business, to scale our business, to have conversations that impact every village. Yep, fantastic. All right, well, based on what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? If it's an investment that they are personally going to be involved in, in a business standpoint, from an operations standpoint, from a visionary standpoint, make sure that if you care about it and love it and want it to succeed, that you have majority. Boom. That's great advice. And for the listeners out there, I but, know. But, 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 also, yeah. but also be ready. But also be ready to, <laughs> to devote your life to it. Yeah, well, the, having majority brings some burdens. <laughs> You've got to yeah, create it. All, all the burdens. <laughs> yeah, and the other burden it brings is that you want to have majority, but you may not have the capital and therefore, you've got to figure out, how do I fund this thing? And that's another part of the burden of majority. But ultimately, I love it because, you know, everybody wants, a lot of people want to go into business. But if you go in as a minority, you lose a lot of the, the rights. So I would say if somebody's out there listening and they think, I want to do a, a restaurant, but I'm not sure, whatever, go work with a restaurant. Go work with some yep. guys for three to five years. And, and understand if you really like it and then start to build your plan and think about what you want to do. So I, I just build on that, that majority. That, that, couldn't, that couldn't be, that's probably the best advice you could give is if someone truly cares about restaurants or bars and they want to open a restaurant or a bar, every single restaurant, every single bar needs a brilliant mind in their organization. And if you are willing to do the hard work and not get paid, there will be an opportunity for you to get involved with whichever group, restaurant concept that you admire. There's space for you and you can learn things on someone else's dime. And they will be grateful to have you and that'll help you make uh, avoid a lot of the mistakes that I made in the last 11 years. So we're going we're gonna to have two pieces of actionable advice in this case. I'm going to let you off the hook. Most of the time I say one, but I think I'm going to allow two. Number one, own majority. But before that, get a job. Go out there and work in the area that you want to be in and then take that knowledge and experience. All right, last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? Number one goal is to get my family moved into our new home um, since that's top of mind. But uh, getting the Digital Hospitality Podcast launched on a weekly basis is going to help definitely in the next year get my book off the ground. And I have a book where I'm going to talk about all the things, all the dirty little secrets, the Howards and all the things that, uh, that we went through, all the failures, because that, that's really what's important. The failures, the lawsuits, the litigation, the funding, 
um, all the things we had to do to keep our doors open in hopes that some other restaurant owner, they can read it and they can, they can gain some insight and hopefully avoid the mistakes that we made. Fantastic. Keeping it real. All right, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. To find more stories like this, previous episodes, and resources to help you reduce your risk, visit myworstinvestmentever.com. Isn't that a cool name for a podcast, huh? As we end, I love it. <laughs> Sean, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. I know it's painful talking about our losers, but our listeners are learning to win as a result. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Stay curious and get involved. Amen. All right, that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and most importantly, protect our wealth, fellow risk takers. I'll see you on the upside.